Welcome to the Cosmic Business Breakthrough Podcast. I'm your host, Sophia Palace, and this podcast is for soulful entrepreneurs who want to harness the cosmic power of astrology to elevate their message, unlock flow, and attract their best clients ever. Join me every week and get excited to discover how you can use the energy of the cosmos to get the business breakthrough you've been waiting for. got some exciting insights to share with you today. In this podcast interview, I'm chatting with Melanie Weller, a renowned physical therapist and vagus nerve expert, also known as the body whisperer. Melanie helps high-performing people and business owners to clear pathways to transformation through their bodies. For example, if you have a story of scarcity, running through your life that's manifesting as physical pain in your body, that same story of scarcity could also be manifesting as something like a lack of resources or money in your business. And this is the kind of thing that Melanie helps you shift. But the most exciting thing to me about Melanie's work is that she incorporates astrology and her deep knowledge of the zodiac signs, their symbolism and stories to target issues and actually get people back into alignment with the solar system. So grab a hot drink and a comfy chair because this episode takes us on quite a journey. Okay, welcome back to a very exciting episode of the Cosmic Business Breakthrough. I am, yeah, just really looking forward to diving into this chat with the wonderful Melanie Weller. Before I get you to talk about yourself, I just want to read this backstory that is part of your workbook that you're going to give the listeners access to at the end of of this chat. It's just a really interesting story. So 25 years of working as a physical therapist and athletic trainer with patients that no one else could figure out gifted me a reputation as the body whisperer and a vagus nerve expert. I trained with nationally and internationally renowned experts and collected certifications and credentials like fine wines. Then I had a health crisis followed by a marriage crisis and a lawsuit crisis. One day, a patient who had his suicide plan for that night walked into my office. I realized I had to bring more than all my credential-based knowledge to the table that day. I had to bring my intuition too. 90 minutes later, he walked out 90% better and I walked out with my fearless presence. Since then, I've been on a quest to help others find fearless presence, bringing their expertise together with their intuition. I teach the art and science of this to coaches in my neurosomatic intelligence course through speaking engagements and in retreats, corporate programs to support DEI, harassment training, mental health, and trust building are in the works. All of this is happening for you, Melanie. Thank you so much for joining me today. What does it feel like when I read your story back to you? Does it feel like (laughs) it gives me it gives me goosebumps every time I say it or hear it? And when I tell it, I still struggle with the words to be part of somebody's experience that was that profound. Mm. I mean, that's certainly one of the most extreme success stories that I've had. But creating that kind of change in people's lives has been my drug of choice for a long time. (laughs) And I think a lot of times we make healing way too hard, you know, and that at the end of the day, like we are each the medicine. And when you show up fully, miracles happen. 
and that's all you have to do. I mean, I could tell you some of the technical, you know, and intuitive things I did, but at the end of the day, I was Melanie Unleashed in a way that I am not like I, and I am a very restrained, I typically show up with a lot of restraint. And so uh, like, I just let it all like really, really fully showed up, you know, that really sparked my own fearless presence and really letting my intuition flow and not getting so caught up in my head because I have, I have a lot of Aries energy. So I like to be heady about things and I like to know the why and I really do appreciate the science but at the end of the day I teach this as a bonus section in the neurosomatic intelligence course like we are not wired for facts we're wired for stories Mm. our nervous system fundamentally carries our story and when you treat somebody's physical body sometimes their story changes but when you treat their story their physical experience of the world always transforms Yes, that's so powerful. And that is what I love. Part of what I love about astrology too, the mythology and the story of it helps us really see ourselves in a different way as well and start changing the way we interact with the world and with other people because we can understand their story so much more clearly because of that, you know, that archetypal nature of astrology. Yes. And the neuroscience says that the same neurotransmitter sequence that we need for change it's the same neurotransmitter sequence a good story takes us through. Wow. That's why storytelling has been medicine for all of time, you know, and in, in shamanic cultures, because it takes you through a physiological process that literally creates change. And a lot of that involves contrast. Like you would not go see a movie or read a book and rave about it to your friends if it didn't have enough contrast in it because it would be boring. And your nervous system will not let you live a dull story. You might not know how to tell it in a really interesting way, but nobody lives a dull story. Right. And that contrast, neurons fire or they don't. Contrast is just the language of the nervous system. Our brains are safe versus unsafe, trust versus distrust, friend versus foe, this decision versus that decision like we all crave contrast or we have to if you I I like to think that if you can appreciate the contrast in maybe more subtle ways that maybe life won't always hit you upside the head with a (laughs) two by four yes but I think enjoying the contrast is what it's all about yes so today we want to I want to talk to you about this idea of being able to regulate your nervous system with the help of the cosmos and using our zodiac signs or tapping into our zodiac signs to be able to decrease stress and potentially improve our success in business. So I'd love for you to to explain, I guess, the vagus nerve and because a lot of your work revolves around sure, this yeah. spectacular well, nerve system, I suppose, <laughs> and how it connects in with the zodiac. Yeah. So my mm. clinical expertise for a very long time, long before the, the, the vagus nerve is having a moment on social media and yes. in, in the media right now. And I have been treating the vagus nerve as a pinch nerve in people's bodies for at least 20 of my 30 years of clinical experience. And I was doing vagus nerve work before it was cool. And your vagus nerve goes all the way from your brainstem to your 
pelvis. It's outside of your spinal cord. It innervates your vocal cords, your heart, and your digestive system. And it's in most of your organs. And it sends a lot of information to your brain about what's happening in your body. But it also regulates your heart rate. And we know really, I'll say, well, it regulates your heart rate and it innervates the muscles that move the food through your digestive system. But we all know when our vagus nerve is not working well, because that's when you say go to get on stage or do a presentation or something like that. And you get a lump in your throat and your palms sweat and your heart's racing and your stomach is churning. And that all happens because your vagus nerve has been dialed down and your fight and flight responses are taking over or becoming more dominant. Mm. And we know that stress and trauma always affect the voice and the breath, both through experience and through the research. And our vocal cords and diaphragms, the muscles we speak with and the muscle we breathe with, are horizontally oriented in our bodies. So when we get stressed and traumatized, rotation is the first thing we give up mobility-wise. Like Nobody gets stressed or traumatized and walks like a runway model down the street. You know, we all lock up and keep our arms close and, you know, we're not rotating at all. Yeah. And the structures that go vertically through our body can get pinched at those horizontal thresholds, whether that's the pelvic floor, the diaphragm, the vocal cords. There's other places through the rib cage and the abdomen that there are horizontal structures as well, but those create compression points, like mechanical compression points. And the vagus nerve is just one of those really, because it's just such a huge nerve, it is one of the things that can really become affected there. And as a physical therapist, I always really loved working with the vagus nerve because I was doing mostly outpatient orthopedic work. And your vagus nerve uses the same neurotransmitter that your muscles do. So you get these beautiful changes in muscle strength and flexibility instantaneously when you work with the vagus nerve. It was just like this kind of magic trick that would, you know, and especially when somebody was stuck or when, and and early in my career, I ended up working with people, I just ended up working with people that had complex trauma that were in chronic pain and that I could have spent, you know, I could have made a list of 150 things that were abnormal on their bodies biomechanically. And so then the game I started playing with myself was, well, what one, two or three things can I do to start to really unravel 10, 20 or 50 things on this person? Because, you know, there was not enough time and not enough energy or emotional bandwidth in either any of us to pick apart 150 different things. And so when I would, that's often when I would pull out some of these techniques that I learned early on and, you know, for example, to decompress the vagus nerve at the base of the skull when somebody's knee wasn't getting better and then their knee pain would be gone or yeah. to really decompress the vagus nerve at their diaphragm and that would get rid of their reflux or their cough that went with their hiatal hernia or their back pain or, you know, and I, there were just all sorts of really interesting and fun and exciting success stories that people with a lot of inflammatory conditions would really feel much better after that because your vagus nerve also mediates inflammation. And mm-hmm. so when you give them better vagus nerve function, they end up being able to manage, you know, being able to manage their inflammation yes. better. And 
I've gotten a lot of referrals from nutritionists to help their clients absorb nutrients better if they think there's a malabsorption issue going on. And I ended up ultimately, like later in my career, getting a lot of mental health referrals. And then what I really learned was how to identify suicide ideation in the body. Because when that rotation gets locked up head to toe, you know, these people aren't like there, you wouldn't necessarily pick up how stiff they were if you just saw them in public. But when you go in and really isolate like their C1 vertebra on their C2 and do some of this finer joint testing, they are so incredibly limited in rotation. And I know exactly when somebody's in suicide ideation. And the only times, like the answer is always yes when somebody's locked up like that. And a couple of times the answer is people have said no, but I feel like I'm dying on the inside. So they don't don't necessarily have the drive to kill themselves, but they feel like they're dying on the inside. Mm-hmm. And to be able to transform that for people in one or two visits is just extraordinary. And I think just as a screening tool to know that you can, you know, because so many people lose their loved ones to suicide and had no idea that they were feeling so terrible. And if And our brains are fundamentally input-output. And if you're not getting clear input, then you're not going to get clear output. Mm. And so anyway, so that's what I spent most of my career doing. And then then my life fell apart. (laughs) And I came to astrology to figure out what was happening with me because I was like I had frozen shoulders and plantar fasciitis and high blood pressure and all these things that I was like, I don't like what's happening to me. You know, I thought I was taking care of myself and everything was getting really hard and my marriage was struggling and I had a professional lawsuit against me. And so it was very clear to me that the universe was telling me something needed to change. (laughs) Something was going on. (laughs) But I didn't really know exactly what to do about it. But I was, I also, I was thinking, well, what am I going to do if I lose my license? Like, what would I do with the rest of my life if I can't practice physical therapy anymore? And I'll give you that, like the happy ending of it all is that my body healed my marriage healed and the lawsuit got dropped in the midst, you know, and credit a lot of that to connecting this astrology and the body piece. And what really became obvious to me early in my study of astrology was that we are made in the image of the zodiac. Our anatomy mimics the zodiac. And that's something that like doesn't really, it hasn't been taught in any medical astrology piece that I've Mm scene but you know Aries mm-hmm. rules the head and I have a this is where it really connected with me I have a, a picture that I've showed patients like hundreds of patients probably over the years because I love this image and it's mm-hmm. in the workbook it's a compilation of MRI images to show what the ventricles of the brain look like and yes. the first time I went to show somebody after I'd been studying astrology, I was like, oh, they look just like the ram's horns that represent Aries. And I knew that in astrology, Aries rules the head. And, and I had yeah. been reading in the throes of all the crisis. I had also started reading. And one of the books I was reading was Graham Hancock's Fingerprints of the Gods. And in it, he talks about the 
Egyptian myth of Isis and Osiris as the story of the Earth's processional cycle and as a way ancient people communicated science, and that the numbers of the Earth's processional cycle are coded into the story. And they just wrote their science differently than we write our science nowadays. So I was chewing on this idea that science, that these ancient myths were scientific stories. Mm -hmm. And then I go see the these ventricles that are the same like look exactly like the ram's horns that represent aries and so then i had to go find out where the rest of it was and for sure the your throat anatomy looks like the taurus bowl and taurus rules the throat and your aortic aortic arch is the same shape as a symbol for leo and leo rules the heart yeah and your kidneys sit in your low back like a set of scales and they're ruled by libra and your scales are also justice. And at least in the U.S. and Australia, I know, the populations with the highest levels of social injustice have the highest levels of kidney disease. Yeah. So we embody the stress of injustice at the level of the kidneys. And so it works this way, head to toe, in the order of the zodiac. Pisces, the last sign, rules the feet, and your feet are like your Pisces fish. Fish, yes. <laughs> and so it works perfectly. You know, Saturn rules the knees and the bones and your long bones are organized in Saturnian rings. And this works at the cellular level too. You're a molecule of ATP, which is the energy for all cellular metabolism, is the same shape as the Aries constellation. And so the same archetypal function, that impulse, that energy Mm. burst. And so we are literally like when ancient, you know, like biblical texts and other traditions say that you are made in the image of God, you are made in the image of the Zodiac. Yes. Yes. Like literally, structurally, and even the angles match. And this is where I really, because of my biomechanical knowledge, it really clicked here first because my, when I was, when I was connecting all of this, I had a, I had a very physical therapist thought, (laughs) which is that like, well, the earth right now is at a 23 and a half degree tilt. So what's 23 and a half degrees from the midline of the body? And your vagus nerve exits your skull 23 and a half degrees from the center of where your spinal cord exits your skull. And normal rotation between your first and second cervical vertebrae is 47 degrees. So twice, you know, both twice 23 and a half. And there's 47 degrees between the pole stars that our earth orients towards over thousands of years and I your anterior cruciate ligament in your knee sits at a 47 degree angle and I could rattle Mm. off other like multiples (laughs) of this but I won't bore everybody with all the all the data but if you like if you just take the number of people that go to the doctor for neck pain dizziness headaches that would be associated with like upper cervical issues and the number of people that go to the doctor for knee issues that might be associated with the anterior cruciate ligament, that's a lot of people that are in the medical system for that. And if you can get someone's nervous system in alignment with the solar system so that you're matching as above, so below, these pain issues go away. And I ended up, you know, because I have a lot of osteopathic skills and I when I was starting with this, I would go through and you know do my normal structural evaluation and treatment. And then I would go through and feel the energetics, like what do their ram's horns feel like? What does the bull in their throat feel like? What does the lion in their heart 
feel like and what does the energy of all the glyphs feel like in their body. And if it wasn't right, I would fine tune it. And then one day I decided to go in the reverse order. And I was like, well, maybe I'll just fix the, you know, my perception of the astrology energy in their body first. Mm. And because I know how to, you know, and I know how to test before and after, you know, like I know how to measure where, how, when they're stuck and then, you know, have this before and after comparison. And when I was fixing the energetics of the astrology, I was getting the same biomechanical or better, faster biomechanical transformations in people than I was when I was doing the more osteopathic, you know, craniosacral kind of corrections. And so, you know, like you can work from either way and say, you know, like, because we're physical beings, sometimes our bodies want that structural change first before it goes energetic, but not always. You know, but you can really kind of go at it from from either end, and it's it's just endlessly fun. And so then, <laughs> in terms of nervous system regulation, like when you're like if your vagus nerve is compressed at these places, like at your diaphragm and your pelvic floor and at the level of your heart and your throat and your brain and your vagus nerve is 80% input towards your brain. It's your brain, your nervous system mm-hmm. in general is only 20% output. It's mostly input from your environment and from your body. Right. And like if your vagus nerve is compressed at the base of your skull, you know, that's your Aries on your Taurus. Like I, I really see it more as like between the signs or even yes. if I was going to look at it in charts, it's like a, a Western chart with against a sidereal chart. That right. like that really to me shows like comparing those two charts can show a lot of the compression. One, it gives you a way to really, I think, ask more meaningful questions about what's happening. Like if somebody has, I, if I find that they're more limited at the base of their skull, I'll say like, well, are you being the hero in someone else's story at the expense of your own or satisfying other people's desires at the expense of your own? And it's not unusual for people to burst into tears. Yes. (laughs) Or to feel like I've suddenly, you know, seen their life in a way that they didn't, you know, I've shed a light on their life in a way that they didn't really expect, you know, or that they hadn't seen before. And then that you know, it one gives them a way to repattern a behavior that's driving a lot of stress in their life. Absolutely. And it also just means that I can have them like pull on their ears in a specific way to decompress the nerve there so that their Aries-Taurus relationship becomes more positive or more agreeable. So it can be just structural and that you go through it structurally. And with a lot of people, like when I get artists and things like that, and and even executives love this, like I'll sometimes do it as a drawing exercise, you know, and they really get a lot of insight through going through the, the drawing exercise in a particular way to resolve that. And all of those things by themselves can resolve the energy. Like I don't always have to fix it with my hands. Mm. But when it starts to, you know, this kind of, I will say tension in the body, mechanical, like fascial tension, mechanical tension, as well as this astrology energy is kind of like a puppy or a toddler. Like it just wants to be held and petted and seen and heard a little bit, and then it'll go play nicely. And so if you give it a little bit of attention, it really can, can shift, but in a more, 
precise way. Like if it, you know, like I can test like in an Aries way, like I can test if they have a visual deficit. I can test if they're have an auditory deficit or a vestibular deficit and like test those head things and then give them a really specific exercise to address that. Yeah. So do you, we t- sort of talked about this mm-hmm. pre- before we started recording, but yeah. I'm interested to know if you're looking at a chart you s- and what is it that you're looking for in the chart to show you where those pinch, pinch problems yeah. might be in the vagus nerve? So I will usually, if I'm just doing it from a chart, like I, you know, I am always combining the chart and the physical test to kind of like, so it's not always just one or the one or the other. I think if I had to give one thing, I would say starting with your moon and doing an exercise for your moon sign, because your moon is how you nourish yourself. You know, if you have a Taurus moon, you should be singing and humming and, you know, Mm. exercising your vocal cords, your vocal range to be seen and heard. And if you have a Pisces moon, because Pisces rules the feet, you should be seeing if you can lift your big toe without the help of the other, you know, by itself without the upper, the other toes and, you know, seeing if you can do foot waves or maybe rubbing your foot with a cloth or, you know, there's different ways that you can address it, but you should be doing something to take care of your feet. And if you have an Aquarius moon, you should be doing some like stretching your calf or doing some agility stuff, doing something with your, because Aquarius rules the calves and your calves are shaped like that water bear, like the water vessel. And, and your, the muscle fibers are the same shape as the Aquarius glyph in your calf. They're multi-penate. It's called multi-penate. And wow. so they're that said the same zigzag orientation, but you could, you know, like you could like be do some grapevine stepping or something like that for your calves, you know, so you, you just need to do like do something to pay attention to that part of the body. And that will go a long way. I also find that when people are stuck, a lot of their 12th house cusp can be a really have a lot of insight because that's since 12th house is the house of secrets if they're really stuck, I, I often start with the twelfth house. <laughs> just that's so interesting because just just a personal example. Mm-hmm. My twelfth house is Aries, and I do have a lot of tension in my head, like in that mm-hmm. in that what you were talking about before the Aries Taurus. That would yeah. be the Aries. That would be the. Are you talking about the eleventh, twelfth cusp, or the twelfth, first cusp? Oh, eleventh, twelfth cusp. Eleventh, twelfth. So that would that's yeah. tricky because that's Pisces Aries. You know, this is, so like I have all sorts of Aries in my in a Western chart, but yes. in, it's all in Pisces in a sidereal chart, and in that in Aries Pisces relationship is the hardest jump to make. In my theory on why, I mean, and like other than just like it's you know head to toe, end to beginning jump. The if you think about like we're going to, you know, kind of change systems here, but that if you think that the first year of life is about your first chakra and the second year of life is about your second chakra. And if you're going to work up, you know, that your seventh year of life is about, you know, your seventh chakra and then you go back and start over again, like trauma that happens to you, like around age six or seven. My experience is that it sticks in your body more strongly than trauma that that happens at other ages, like in those seven year cycles, that jump between Aries and Pisces is, or Pisces and Aries is 
like what like sometimes those years are the most traumatic and mm-hmm. and it can be harder like it just embed the trauma during those years embeds itself more deeply in the body but that's just also as, a, that's also a satin cycle too isn't it like your satin squares are seven year cycles oh yeah yep so that might have also something to do with absolutely that. yeah yeah no that's a great point yeah it's not unusual for me to ask somebody what happened to them when they were seven you know if there was something there because there often is I don't ask that as much anymore because the research shows that you don't you really just have to repattern the present you don't have to rehash the past there's no value really in it and you, you know you don't have to re-traumatize people to get better Yes. And I think that that's really important to understand that, you know, it's not about reliving, like trauma lives in the present, mm. like in your body right now. And so you, it's changing your relationship with your story and with that trauma right now is what you need so that it's not controlling you, you know, and that you can really detach from it. You know, you can't necessarily change the past, but you can change your relationship to the past and not have that old story have such a charge in your nervous system. You know, it can live differently. And these patterns don't live at the conscious level of your brain. It's all subconscious and it's your body protecting you, really. You know, even if you have a migraine or anxiety or depression, you know, it's it's all a protective strategy. But Mm. it's your back brain and like your deeper brain structures driving the train and not letting you get to the parts of your brain where there's compassion and tolerance and joy and all the good things that you want stuff but when you can create safety like to tell your brain that oh like you're safe you're not getting you know you're not getting traumatized right now in that you can be safe and present and it's super tempting to dissociate people that are very intuitive often are very skilled at dissociating because that, you know, they're really able to blur the boundaries to get other intuitive information. But that's really, there's a high cost to your own body for not having your boundaries. And you don't have to feel everyone else's feelings to be intuitive. And you don't have to dig into your story either. It's like it can literally be as simple as, holding a a pen or a pencil at your eye level and like focusing on the tip of it and taking it further away and bringing it close and further away and close, but not so close that you see double, like we call these pencil push-ups. And just doing five or 10 pencil push-ups can dramatically change somebody's experience of the world through pain, you know, through anxiety, it can change your ability, how your breath, how you're breathing to the point that you're not all in your shoulders, which drives a lot of anxiety. I just did pencil push-ups with somebody today. I had a client fly in from Puerto Rico and she had, was very limited rotating to one side and we did a few pencil push-ups and it all melted away. And I had somebody recently that was really in a lot of emotional flashbacks and I did one technique through the roof of her mouth, you know, so really decompressing like, I mean, that's almost like Aries on air, you know, that's just being Mm. really stuck within your Aries, I would probably say versus even between signs. 
but she had years of emotional flashbacks and they it went mm-hmm. away like with one technique, which is like another one of those moments that like I like it's amazing to see it to see it work that mm-hmm. well. And like her astrology energy was all distorted too. And so even though I like with her I was doing something really like a little more structural, you know, like I'm still able to engage that astrological energy and help give her inner hero some purpose. But you can really just do these exercises at these thresholds, these horizontal mm. thresholds in the body. And your roof of your mouth is another horizontal threshold. Right. And you get these huge, huge payoffs with it. And it doesn't have to be really like when you're dysregulated and when you're really stressed, it can be like, well, you know, whether like, okay, my Aries is all wonky or like for me, like I have a Taurus 12th house cusp. So I tend to like, my voice gets really tangled. I lose my words (laughs) when I get really stressed. And to know that like, okay, I can check in on my Taurus bowl and I can put those horns back or I can do some pencil pushups or some vocal range exercises or lift my feet and okay, oh, there, now I can see my Taurus bowl is happy. Like I've given it something that it needs. And so then I start to clear my voice. So you can really build this relationship with your inner archetypes so that you can really, you know, have a bigger relationship with the bigger picture and the science is there. Like they, all the new science says the universe works like a big brain. And there's research Mm -hmm. that when solar and space weather disrupts the electromagnetic field of the earth, it's measurable in our vagus nerves. Yes. And so we are all like, we are transmitting, we are relating and resonating with the bigger picture all the time. Mm -hmm. And if you're blocked from getting the satellite signal from outer space, whatever that is, you know, you're within connecting the micro with the macro, that's really stressful. Yes. And it just doesn't have to be that hard to, to connect it. And there's lots of, you know, there's lots of different techniques that you can, that you can use for it and that you can layer in astrologically, like with that, like with that pencil push-up exercise, like that's a good one for, even for, though you're doing it with the Aries, you're, also giving a lot of clear input to your thalamus, which is associated with the sun. It's part of your brain that's associated with the sun. You could use that exercise to remedy a sun situation too. Or like I respond really well to sun techniques and I don't have any planets in Leo. And I think that's why I respond really well to sun techniques because it helps to balance because mm-hmm. I have a gap mm-hmm. uh, in the ener- you know, in that, energy right there yeah and so but there's you do have you do have the sun the the sun in aries which is exalted yes. in yes. aries so it's quite a it, it may be that yeah the sun techniques work better for you because the sun because is so it is exalted in, your, in yeah. your chart yeah that's interesting yeah i do have a question about this sure. relationship with what's going on in the solar system Mm-hmm. and our bodies because one of the reasons I reached out to you was because you you put out an email about Mercury retrograde and how it affects our bodies. And, and this was at a time when Mercury was retrograde in the sign of Taurus. So we were talking about specifically about our voices. And I know the next Mercury retrograde is coming up very soon, probably around the time 
not not long after this episode goes live. So can you tell me more about how these kind of planetary movements affect us and what we can kind of do to, I guess, remedy those uh, the effects or the impacts of that? Yeah. Everybody's nervous system is unique. And the most important thing is just to test your own body to like check your own neck rotation or trunk rotation or check how tight your calf muscle or your hip flexors or, you know, do something that, you know, to test your own body and then do one of the exercises and then retest. Mercury retrograde, I feel like gets a really bad rap and that it could like, because it's really an incredible opportunity to go inward and like things like, like walking backwards is a really valuable therapeutic activity. Wow. And, you know, since retrograde means walking backwards, you know, it's important to do it in a safe environment so that, you know, you're not going to hurt yourself. But walking backwards is really great for knee issues. It helps develop your sense. Like as we age, we all get more dependent on our visual system for balance. And so just to really connect with your more inner, your interoception and your internal systems so that you're, you know, you're not seeing exactly where you're going and trusting that you're, that you're going to have the balance and everything to get there is really important. And so I think that in listening to your inner voice, like really what is your body saying and how does your body say yes and how does your body say no? Because we violate that. We don't listen to our bodies all the time and then we get pain or sick that we get sick or something like that because we've our body's been saying no 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 I don't want to do this and or this isn't a good idea you know you keep being an emotional contortionist and so mercury retrograde is a great time to go into yourself and really and really listen to your own nervous system and figure out what's what it's saying yeah Awesome. So those are, I guess, a few things you can we can try during Mercury retrograde to get us kind of more in alignment with that with that energy. What about things like eclipses? Because that's like quite an intense energy, and I suppose it depends on what sign it's happening in. Is that is that right? I'd love to know your thoughts on that because we are going. Oh wait, every year we go through through eclipses. eclipses. Yeah. Yes. I think that with eclipses, I tend to really emphasize drills that are just very high, what I would call high payoff for a lot of people. Like most people tend to respond really well to breath work, smell, like if you, and there's, these exercises are in more detail in the workbook, but like if you have an essential oil or a an herb or something that you love to smell like our nervous system, like that can be really regulating to the nervous system. And so if you like with eclipses, I'll tend to pick more like those high payoff ones or ones that are really grounding. Most people would probably be shocked at how much better they feel after taking a cloth and rubbing their feet, like and getting in all the nooks and crannies of your feet and between your toes for a minute or so. Like it can 
loosen up your whole body really dramatically. But yeah, I would say more with eclipses, more grounding and like breath and breath and smell, they just tend to be high payoff. We really respond well to those things. Like you can do your pranayama. The exercise we teach with smell is to close one nostril with your finger and hold a, an essential oil vial under your nose and tap up and down the side, the open nostril as you're smelling. So your nervous system might like breathing in one side of the nose more than it likes breathing in the other. And so you can test and retest and decide which one works. But yeah, eclipses are just like, like I tend just to go for the really high payoff ones. But as you, but as you do these and as you learn these exercises, you learn which ones are your high payoff and which, you know, what your body loves the most. And then you can do more of those, you know, like I'll tell you, like I have a, I've had a chronic foot issue the last year or so. And through my Vedic astrologer, you know, I was really struggling figuring it out. And he's like, oh, well, Venus is hammering your foot. And so then I just started singing more. And it's made a huge difference, you know, and exercising my vocal range. And I know from the research that, like, women with pelvic floor incontinence don't have good vocal range. They tend to have more limited vocal range. And so if you tell them to even just go read like Little Red Riding Hood to the children in their lives or, you know, to somebody and do the voices. So they're doing Little Red Riding Hood and the Big Bad Wolf. That will help their incontinence. And so it's kind of the same thing with my foot. Even though I think I was, like, I'm pretty mindful of exercising my vocal range, but but I have a 12th house Taurus cusp and it wasn't enough. Like I had to do something that was, I had to up-level that to but it literally creates more downward pressure in the body so using my voice more intentionally and in a bigger way took that downward pressure like literally lightened my body on my foot wow that's amazing so in the same way that you see the the zodiac signs influencing us or you know that we can kind of target specific points based on Mm -hmm. zodiac signs. Do you also see that reflected with the planets? So, you know, like we just talked about with Mercury and then with Venus, where you do things associated with the Venus signs or is it more like, you know, because we're now we're we're about to go into Venus retrograde (laughs) for a much longer time than a Mercury retrograde. So there's something specifically that we would look to with that. I mean, it's obviously going retrograde in Leo. So maybe we would be doing some more heart type exercises. Yeah. No, I think that it's kind of thing. Yeah. It, yes, you could do more heart. You could even do more like Qigong, like has some really great exercises where you like, you kind of use momentum to like where, where you're swinging your arms to, so you're alternating between kind of hitting on your kidneys and hitting it like below your collarbones as you you swing your arms back and forth. And, you know, so then you're getting like, you know, you're getting the Venus kidney area and getting a little tapping on your heart, but you have to, you know, stand and have your arms free and you're just, you know, but you're going between your back and your front. And so you can do, 
you know, there's lots of different ways to do it. I tend to look more like because Venus is going retrograde in Leo, like I would probably tend to look more at the relationship of Leo to Cancer or Cancer to Virgo because those adjacent signs, yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. seemed like the adjacent signs, the relationship of the adjacent signs seemed like I find that to be more of an issue right more of the time than have been like a cross you know or having squares and if mm. that foundational kind of zodiacal structure in your body is solid then you can hang your personal planets on it really nicely but since cancer is also in the chest like breathing into the back side of your heart is a mm. great retrograde activity like it's so valuable for decompressing your vagus nerve and most people don't have, or like, or at least I'll say most people that, that I get to evaluate <laughs> are mm. breathing way too much in their shoulders. And they're not, mm. they don't have this 360 degree expansion of their, of their rib cage. So really getting that 360 degree expansion of your rib cage and inhaling into the backside of your heart can be, can be really valuable. And the Leo Virgo place like that's I mean that's at some level your diaphragm as well or that intersection Mm -hmm. you know your diaphragm's the threshold between there because your diet your heart sits on top of your diaphragm just like a sunrise or a sunset Mm. and when our diaphragms get dysfunctional they get flat they go from being a dome shape and they get flat and so when you exhale more like, and that could be even blowing through a straw, for example, like if you inhale for two seconds and exhale for eight through a straw, that can help fluff up your, redome your diaphragm. Does that make sense? So like some of those, yeah, yeah. like, so I like, that's kind of more how I would look at it as kind of in those thresh, like where is the horizontal threshold that like between those mm-hmm. signs on either side and address that. And for the cancer Leo, like you, to me, that's really your pulmonary artery and vein go horizontally in your chest at about the level of your second, third rib. And so that breathing into the backside of your heart gets that level often. So, yeah, a lot of your work is really helping us to tune in with our bodies and understand where we're actually blocked. And that may be, you know, we might be blocked in business. We might be blocked in life. We might be feeling these these pinch points, as you say, we're not consciously aware of them, but subconsciously we're storing all of that information inside our bodies. And so the more that we can get aware of of those points and kind of start to move them and clear them, the more we can, A, be less stressed (laughs) generally, which is awesome, but also the more we can kind of invite success in I I guess as well because we're more in line like you talked about earlier you know when we're more in line with the solar system when our bodies are in line with the solar system aligned with that then everything is flowing through us the the, it's so much easier channel for success yes and for what we want to manifest and for what you want yeah if your brain or your nervous system is busy constantly asking am I safe am I loved am I safe am I loved you, mm. you, you're not gonna. You don't. You just don't have the bandwidth to, to create the success. Or even if you do, you probably don't have the bandwidth to enjoy the success that you create. Like yes. I've tr- worked with a lot of really successful people, but they aren't always able to enjoy their success. Mm. 
Yes. And, you know, we, you know, we often stay in that alertness phase and we're not able to experience the reward, you know, and the vagus nerve is really the bridge between alertness and reward. Like you have to go through the vagus nerve to get there. And so when your vagus nerve is working better, you know, really everything's better. And, you know, and for those that might know a little bit more about the nervous system, your vagus nerve also mediates freeze responses. But when you decompress it mechanically, those, the freeze responses also are soothed. You wouldn't necessarily want to stimulate the vagus nerve in a freeze response because that's already having a high vagal response. But when you like breathe into the backside of your heart and pull on your ears and do a lot of those exercises in the workbook, it Mm. mechanically frees your vagus nerve. And so it will also get you out of a, out of a freeze response. So if you're feeling like, you know, you're feeling overwhelmed, say, you know, you've got, for instance, you've got a big promotion launch type Mm -hmm. thing coming up in your business and you're starting to feel that like, I've got so many things I don't know what to do next or like I'm yeah. I'm just you can feel that heaviness setting into your body. That's when you do these exercises to kind of get you, you moving yes. again. So you can do them so in two different you could, so there's two different ways to use them. So you can absolutely use them as a rescue as rescue dr- tools so that you know you're starting to feel anxious or you know like you're getting ready to go on a podcast interview. And that you, you're a little bit nervous. And so you do your exercises before and then you do the podcast interview, you do them again after, you know, you kind of sandwich the difficult activity with that so that you stay regulated. You can also use them as training exercises. So like every morning while your coffee is brewing, you do a few exercises and your nervous system starts to learn that, it's safe that consistent training makes a big difference too. So you can use them to rescue yourself from a situation, you know, for me, like if you have a difficult, you know, when I talk about stage fright and the kind of that proverbial, you know, vagus nerve reaction with the lump in your throat, you know, you can have stage fright on stage or you can have it in the boardroom, the Zoom room or the family room. You know, my mother has given me stage fright many times in my life. <laughs> but yeah, you can use them to rescue you from, you know, so that you're not stuck, like playing a scene in your head Mm. over and over. It can really take you out of that. And like, so that you can just be present with whatever is and not ruminating on what has happened or what might happen. Cause that's really where we, where we create our own suffering that we're worried about what happened in the past or what's going to happen. Mm. Yes, absolutely. I've absolutely loved this conversation and just listening to you talk about all of your experience and what all of this can look like or feel like in our bodies. Is there anything else you want to share with the listeners before we say goodbye? Oh, my favorite thing to do when I'm having someone breathe into the backside of their heart, and I have more specific instructions around this that are in the workbook, but if you're listening and you're just going to inhale into the backside of your heart, I combine this with an Andean proverb that I really love that says your future is behind you propelling you forward and your past is in front of you waiting for you to make peace with it and clear your way. And I think that's really the truest 
statement about how time lives relative to our bodies, that you're, the universe has your back, your good future has your back. And the question is, can we trust that our future has our back to let it carry us where we need to be? Because most of us are very good at running away from our futures rather than letting it take us where we need to be. And your vagus nerve is is the nerve of trust. So as your vagus nerve gets better, you can definitely like trust the universe and trust the messages you get and trust your relationship with the bigger picture that you're always going to be okay. That's beautiful. I love that. And I did your manifesting workshop, as I mentioned before we started recording, and I recommend that to anyone who's who's listening, go and check out Melanie's Manifesting with the Vegas Nerve workshop. I think it's free. So on your website, mm-hmm. you can access that. And you do talk about visualizing your past and moving it through to your future. Like, Yeah, to turn knowledge into wisdom and magic and to tr- tr- you know, take that magic from behind yes. you to show up as truth in front of True. you. Yeah, when you can, you know, like when you get to where you can trust yourself and really trust the universe, it's a beautiful and like in a very powerful place to be. Mm, Yes. Thank you so much, Melanie, for your time. And I hope we'll be chatting again soon because I I think people are going to absolutely love this stuff (laughs) and want to work with you and understand this and work with their bodies so much more because, yeah, that's where all of all this potential is, right? So much potential there There's to, so much potential. to move ourselves forward. Yes. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Sophia, for inviting me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for joining me on the Cosmic Business Breakthrough. If you'd like to learn more about what I do, head to sophiapalace.com or follow me at sophiapalace over on Instagram. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, I'd love for you to take a moment and review the show if you found it helpful and share it with a few friends. Thanks again, and I'll speak to you next time.